The following podcast contains explicit language. Sarah, you know what I just realized? What? We have Christmas off. Oh my God. This is the first year in how many years when we actually don't have to work on Christmas. Or New Year's. I can't, I mean, I literally cannot remember the last time we didn't work over the holidays. I know, I plan to like seriously enjoy myself. I'm going to relax my ass off. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll discuss our personal symbols and why it's a good idea to have one. We'll also answer a listener question about Hollywood assistant salaries, and we've got a festive holiday Hollywood hack. (laughs) Plus, in this week's celebrity sighting, Liz was all aflutter Saturday night when we saw numerous reality stars. But first, a couple updates. Yes, we want to remind everyone, Sarah, that they can give the gift of the podcast this holiday season. It's free. I want to say that right up front. Um, This was an idea of my sister Gretchen Rubin, co-host of Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And it's free, and all you have to do is go to giftofpodcast.com. And there's, you can download a PDF, and it's like a gift certificate where you fill in who it's for and what podcast you want to, quote, give them, and you say why you think they'll like it. And you just can wrap it up and give it to somebody, and it's a way of not giving another thing but giving an experience, and a lovely experience because who doesn't love podcasts? Exactly, and Violet School has a rule that you can't buy gifts Mm. for teachers. So I'm going to be doing this for all of Violet's teachers, and I'm so excited that she can, like, fill it out and say who it's from and what podcasts we think. I'll give her some guidance there. We (laughs) think they'll like, you know. I think it's going to be a really neat, like, personalized gift for them. Yeah, and what's great is there's a second page that has instructions on how to listen to a podcast because likely you'll be giving this to someone who's never even listened to a podcast. Yeah. So um, it's just a great, fun, personal gift that's free. Yay! What could be better than that? Giftofpodcast.com. And we also want to tell you that episode 85 is going to be a very special New Year's episode. We'll talk about how we did with our personal resolutions for 2018 and what our resolutions are for 2019. And of course, we want to hear from you. What New Year's resolutions do you have for 2019? What resolutions did you set in 2018? And did you accomplish any of them? How did it go? We want to know. And do you even believe in resolutions? Maybe you don't. A lot of people don't. Well, especially rebels. Yes. Do not like resolutions. Um, so that will be a lot of fun, and you and I are—we're really going to get into it. So yes, I'm kind of dreading it, but I'm I excited. No, yeah. So please, please let us know about what you've got planned for 2019. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and today it's 
Personal symbols. Yes. Now, I think personal symbols are great because they're kind of a physical representation of an idea or a feeling or a philosophy that you want to keep foremost in your mind. You、mm-hmm. can have little reminders all around you of what that symbol represents. Yes. Now, I say this, but I've never had a personal symbol. This has been an ongoing. A mission of mine to find a personal symbol because another thing I really like is that they bring whimsy. Yes, a sense of fun. Yes, and you, you have for years been sort of <laughs> seeking that. Yes, you tried to help me have a personal symbol. You got me this amazing <laughs> jack, like a you know a. a Like the game jacks, a big iron jack that goes on my desk, and I love it. And you were like, "This is the perfect symbol for you. It's a jack for Jack." And I was like, "Yes, Your son, my son Jack." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, this is it. This is the symbol." But for some reason, it didn't really take. Even though I love that jack, it didn't resonate. I didn't start buying jacks. Right. Well, I think that's because it's not really. About sort of some larger symbolic thing for you, it's like a representation of your son that is great to look at and be like, "Oh, Jack, I love Jack. It's so nice to see that、right. and think of him." But it's not about like some kind of motivating personal factor. Yes, and then Sarah, that all changed with a gift from、um, the actress Marin Dungey, who plays C.J. Emerson on The Fix. She gave us、um, a rap gift. Um, and it was a gold bracelet with a little lightning bolt on it. Yes, and you just—I mean—it was like an immediate transformation for you. Yeah, I saw the lightning bolt. I said, "That's it. That's my personal symbol." Lightning bolt, because we've been talking so much about wanting our show to be lightning in a bottle, which、mm-hmm. is what people often say about TV shows. What makes lightning in a bottle? Because it takes so many factors. And it just hit me that that's sort of my our quest in life for you and me is lightning in a bottle. That's what we're always searching for. So it just hit me that the lightning bolt was going to be my symbol. She also gave you and Marsha、yes. really wonderful earrings with little lightning bolts that are just like super like elegant. Yes. No, I've been wearing them nonstop. And these great gifts come from a company called Electric Human, and the jewelry designer is Amanda Hayward. She makes this great jewelry with lightning bolts, and it's it's supposed to be all about kind of connecting to your inner source and connecting to other people and transferring energy. Yes, I feel like or maybe I put that on it because of the lightning bolt. Not everything has a lightning bolt on it, by the way,、uh, but there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, and so I've been looking now, Sarah, for lightning bolts because, of course, now that I've decided the lightning bolt is my personal symbol, I've、um, decided that I need to collect things that have lightning bolts on them. So I bought myself for Christmas, which I'll wrap up, and Adam will give to me for Christmas <laughs> a, a lightning bolt tray from Jonathan Adler. Um, I waited. I knew they would be having sales, so when it went thirty percent off, I ordered that for myself. And it's just a fun, like little sort of jewelry tray, but it's really bright and pretty. And I'm like, this will be a great reminder of my lightning bolt mentality. Well, of course, having a personal symbol is a wonderful thing for people who need to get you gifts. Yes, it is. As someone who struggles in、yes. this regard, like now I can just say, oh, there's a lightning bolt. I can get this、yeah. for Liz. 
you know, I will not get you any junky lightning bolt yes, things. Yes, Just like you. lovely lightning bolt things that you'll want to keep. Yeah. Now, um, Sarah, what is your personal symbol? My personal symbol is like the opposite of your personal symbol. Okay. Um, my personal symbol is the daisy. Mm, that's right. Yes. For Daisy Bay, where your house is in Minnesota. Right. They're very controversial lake house that we've debated. <laughs> Like, it's not controversial. It's wonderful. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of been my personal symbol pretty much my whole life, I think. And that's – you had a dog named Daisy. I had a dog named Daisy. Daisies are my favorite flower, even though I have a child named Violet. Um, <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think for me, daisies represent sort of a centering uh, connection – to sort of nature and to, like, my family and our history. Um, it is literally could not be, yeah. like, more of a polar opposite to, yeah. to your personal symbol. But I think that's good. Yeah, together. It's like the Wonder <laughs> Twins. Put these together and we can make anything. We can activate. That's right. Daisy and Lightning Bolt, activate. <laughs> Uh, now, Sarah, I also have to mention, speaking of lightning bolts, that, you know, Elvis Presley, his personal symbol was a lightning bolt with the letters TCB, which stood for taking care of business in a flash. Nice. So I also love that. Yeah. You have a cool factor. You know, Elvis and I. <laughs> and, of course, Gretchen has a wonderful personal symbol. Yes. Hers is the bluebird because bluebird of happiness is kind of famous. And so my mom and I are always buying her things with bluebirds. But again, we try to keep it, you know, to a minimum. So it's only really nice things with bluebirds. Um, but it's just fun to have something to look for for somebody. Yeah. Now, Mary, our assistant, <laughs> She had a crazy personal symbol story. She was getting Reiki, um, which you and I want to do, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But her, the guy who was doing her Reiki was a Wiccan, and he told her that he saw a black unicorn with a white horn around her. Yes. And so she decided that was going to be her personal symbol. Um, but I was saying I feel like that's more of a Patronus than a personal symbol. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. That's sort of like her, if she lived at Hogwarts, that would be the thing that came out of her wand. That's yes, her it's her guardian. Protector. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it represents who she is. Although, that's up to her. Yes, that is up to her. It's not <laughs> Maybe it to, does represent yes. who she is. <laughs> um, all I can say is now I feel like I also need a Patronus. I would love a Patronus. So now that I've got the personal symbol, I need to move on. Now I need a Patronus. All right. That's There's a, just too many things to need. That's an episode in 2019. Um, but I would love to hear from our listeners what their personal symbols are because I think it says so much about sort of what you're seeking or what you um, – your priorities or just like kind of an essence of who you are. It's just really interesting to see those boiled down. And I yeah. also think we'll find it really inspirational to know what other people's symbols are. Yes. That would be great. So let us know. You can send us an email at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we're going to answer a question about assistant salaries in Hollywood. But first, this break. 
Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, now it's time for a segment we call The Mail Room, in which we answer a listener question about the entertainment business. And this week we have a question from Jessica, who wrote, I have a question concerning assistant salaries. In episode 81, it was mentioned that assistants are typically given cash because they, quote, don't have money. It struck me as odd that an employer was so seemingly comfortable with their employees' lack of money and their dependence on a Christmas gift, especially in an industry that, at least from the outside, just seems Seems to ooze money. I'm curious what is behind paying assistants so little. Is it to keep a fire in their bellies? Is it just the way it is? Are there rules about how much you are allowed to pay? Do people typically phase out of being assistants so quickly that it isn't a huge problem? Or perhaps I'm looking too far into this and you just meant, quote, no money, in the way that young people aren't typically well-established financially. Either way, I'd love to better understand how you think about this specific type of wage gap. It sounds like assistants are very important people, and I've been taught that if a job is worth doing, it's worth a decent wage. I'd argue that dependence on an employer's Christmas time bonus means that there may be a problem with the regular salary. It's mm. a good question. Yes. Signed, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, assistants do not make a lot. Hollywood assistants notoriously don't get paid a lot. Um, I think it's because, well, one, there's so much demand for the jobs that the companies and it's not us saying how much an assistant gets paid. Like we don't determine that. That's the big sort of corporations yeah. determining that, whether it's an agency, a studio, a network. Um, and especially sort of I can't speak to the executive side of it, but certainly in the creative side, there's just so much demand for these jobs that I think the people who set salaries think they don't need to pay more. Absolutely. And I also think um, that Jessica's right. It is seen as a short-term job. Most assistant jobs in L.A. are not career assistant jobs. And if you have a career assistant job, then the salary is much better. Like like if you're a high-power executive assistant – then, you know, if you're Bob Iger's assistant, right. I don't know if, if that's a career assistant job or not because I'm not close to Bob Iger. But if I were, I would know. Um, but, like, if that's a career assistant job, then that would pay significantly more, yeah. for example, than Mary. Sorry, Mary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we've heard um, assistants, career assistants at Netflix make 80000 a year. So that's obviously a much better salary than an assistant, you know. Um, on a show is making. Right. Who's planning to be there for a year or two and then move into a better position of some kind. Yes. Um, Also, you know, assistants are really learning a lot. So they are, I think they're sort of, 
you know, it's it's almost like um, the next step of an internship because mm-hmm. you are hopefully also really absorbing and learning the business and it's useful to you beyond just the paycheck. Yes, and making a lot of very important contacts for their careers moving forward. Um, and like writer's assistants, for example, getting that experience in a writer's room, yeah. you can't match that. Yeah. No, it's – I won't want to say it's priceless, but it's certainly very valuable. Yeah. And by the way, I also think they should be paid. I, w- I was going to say, <laughs> having said all that, of course we think the pay should be higher. Now, this has been true, Sarah, forever. Like yeah. my first job out of college um, was an assistant at a place that published young adult books. And I was making, I think, when I, you know, counting up all the hours, below minimum wage for sure. Absolutely. Now, I was lucky because my parents supplemented. They helped me out every month with a couple hundred dollars. And that made a huge difference. And that is one of the problems with these low-paying assistant jobs is that it they it really favors people who have family resources. Yes. You know, if you don't, it's really hard to make a living, you know. And people end up having four roommates and, you know, eating ramen noodles every night, you know, even even with parental help. Yeah. Um, so that is an issue. And, of course, we think salaries should be higher. But, you know, nobody's asking us. Sadly. Mm-mm. But if they do, we'll refer them to this episode. Yes, we will. <laughs> So that is a great question, Jessica. Um, And um, to all the assistants out there, hang in there. It does get better. Yes. All right. And now it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack. This was the greatest little thing that happened in our week. Yes, and it inspired this hack, which is have a holiday party for your floor or building at work, depending on the size. Because if it's a huge building, you're not going to have, like, 3,000 people at your party. (laughs) Um, And we thought of this hack because someone in our building did this. We work in the old animation building on the Disney lot, which we dearly love. And um, a couple of people said, hey, we're going to have a holiday party for everyone in the building. And they did. Right. Randall Winston, who is a producer on shows like Cougar Town, Scrubs, Grace and Frankie, and Tracy Robertson, who is a producer with so many shows in Australia and also here. She also happens to be RDP's wife. Yes. <laughs> um, on The Fix, RDP is Bob Humphreys, who's, like, amazing. Yes. Um, so the two of them got together and planned this party, and it was so lovely. Yeah, a lot of people in the building came, which was great. And they had an amazing spread, which yeah. included Porto's potato balls, which you know are my favorite thing on the planet. They're the devil. Oh, my God. I did eat a few. (laughs) Um, And they had champagne and wine and soda. And it was just a lovely time to get together. And what's nice is our building has a lot of writers, a lot of producers, I think some directors. So it was nice to get everybody together and just kind of mix. Like we have um, across the hall from us is Larry Wilmore's company. And they moved in a few months ago and we'd never met anyone in the office, which is crazy. I think I feel shy about going in and introducing myself. But we met them at this party. So now when we see them, we're like, hey, Candace, you know, hi, Brandy. And we can actually converse and have a lovely conversation. And it was nice, too, because all the assistants were invited. Yes. Referring back to our question yes. from Jessica. All the assistants were invited. So there was a lot of sort of intermingling yes. and people could Networking. network. You know, Mary is like the best oh. networker on the planet. She was like in there working it, talking yeah. to all the producers. It was really a cool thing to do for the 
the holidays. Yeah, I was realizing as we left, I went, you know, this was fun, but also we could, like, generate business in this at this party because <laughs> we could hook up with a producer who we don't know. Like, Sabrina was there who yes. listens to this show and is also a producer. Hi, and, Sabrina. You know, she was like, oh, we should have lunch. So, you know, things happen at holiday parties. So everyone it, it is we're usually Scrooges about parties and celebrating <laughs> things. But this just struck us as such a nice way to expand your community at work and have, like, better feelings about everyone in the building or on your floor. Yes. And another key to it was it was short. Yes. It started at four and went to six. Yes. And that was it. Yes. Um, Okay. So next up, we will share all, oh, my God, all of the amazing celebrity sightings we had at the AC Squared event last week. Liz will explain what AC Squared (laughs) is, why she's been dying to go to it for so long, and all the amazing people Mm -hmm. she saw. And I will share her hilarious reaction. Um, But first, an ad break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's celebrity sighting, and oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, I have to explain. I dragged you. Well, you went willingly. Yes. But I invited you and took you to AC2 last weekend. And what that is is it's Anderson Cooper from CNN and Andy Cohen from Bravo have been friends for like 25 years And they get together and they tour with a show, which is the two of them on stage talking about their friendship, telling stories, showing video clips, um, and also answering questions from the audience. Um, And it's kind of like this cult following they have, Um, although I will say there were 2,400 people at this show. It was at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood. It's a big cult. (laughs) And um, I have been dying to see this show forever because I love Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. I just I find the whole thing so fascinating because this is not something that would even have entered my consciousness. Like, I didn't know about this show. I didn't know it existed. I'm like not that familiar with Andy Cohen. I'm really only familiar with Anderson Cooper because of CNN, um, and we also saw him at the Women's March. Yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> being a reporter. Yeah. Like, you just you brought it up, and it was like, okay, I'll go to that. Fine. Meanwhile, Sarah, I had been, like, following Andy Cohen on Instagram <laughs> for the express purpose of finding out when, at some day, I knew they would come to L.A., and I was always checking the tour schedule, and I got tickets to this, like, six months ago. Like, oh while we were shooting the pilot, I got these tickets. Wow. Um, But I waited to spring it on you like two weeks ago. So obviously, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper, that's pretty cool just to start with. But I have to say, Liz, for you, the people in the audience were as much, if not a bigger draw. Yes. So because it was L.A., there were a ton of reality stars there. Because for anyone who doesn't know, I should add, Andy Cohen is sort of the master of the Real Housewives franchise. I believe it was his idea. He's an executive producer on all the shows. The show he hosts on Bravo has them on all the time. So he is, and he hosts all the reunion shows. So he is the Real Housewives and Bravo guy. Um, So there were several Real Housewives of Beverly Hills there. There was (laughs) Kyle Richards, who's sort of really, to me, the queen of Beverly Hills. Um, Teddy Mellencamp, who, must be mentioned, is John Mellencamp's daughter. So that's cool. Of course. She's also an accountability coach. And um, someone I know actually 
uses her as their accountability coach. Mm-hmm. Then we had Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin, who are a you know who Lisa Rinna is. Well, yes, they caused quite a buzz. Lots yes. of people doing selfies with Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin, and they were very sweet, very, very gracious with everyone. Yeah, and Lisa Rinna looks stunning in person, should anybody be wondering. Oh, and I also want to point out Liz got like yeah. center orchestra seats near like the front so that you would be sure to like be near where the housewives would be in the event that they were there. So thank God they were. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, I was like, I don't want to be up in the balcony yeah. and not seeing all what's going on down the bottom. (laughs) Um, And they were like five rows in front of us. I mean, our seats couldn't have been better for housewife viewing. Amazing. And then also incredibly exciting was (laughs) Jeff Lewis and his husband or boyfriend, I don't know, Gage, were also there. And Jeff Lewis is the host of Flipping Out, which is another very popular show on Bravo. And he is a huge personality. Um, And people were going nuts over them and taking tons of pictures with them. So I was, like, jumping up and down. Oh, my God. I was so excited. I just—I have to explain to our audience because, like, you've been working in Hollywood for 20 years, right? You would think that you'd just be like, oh, la, la, there's Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin. Oh, la, la, there's Jeff Lewis and Gage. But it's not like that. When Liz sees people that she's excited about seeing, it is like a kid in a candy store. Like, she just—she goes, oh, oh. Oh, like, it's so, like, it's adorable. She's like a grown woman, (laughs) and it's so cute because it's, like, just the glee and excitement are so genuine. Well, I love these people. As I say, there are many people who love to hate Bravo liberties, as we call them. But I actually love them. (laughs) I really do. I love these people. Just a sincere love. And seeing them fills me with glee. I mean, it really does. And seeing you see them fills me with glee. And it was a great show. Even you had it was a very funny, well produced show. I really I recommend it to anyone who loves Anderson and Andy. If, If if you, if you have no interest in them, <laughs> I don't think the show will be very interesting to you. And also see it and then, you know, somewhere where there are housewives and you can know they'll show up. Yeah. So I recommend, you know, the OC, L.A., New York. See it in one of those locations. It was pretty awesome. And Sarah, I have to say, you were a very good sport to attend with me. Well, thank you for the. You bought me the ticket. I, I mean, I was pretty because, excited. You know, it was great. I mean, I couldn't make you pay for that when I knew you had no idea what it was. <laughs> Although the really the best part was seeing you see them. Uh, well, it was awesome. Thank you. That was fun. So that was a celebrity sighting to tide me over for months. Yes. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. If you mess with her, expect to be attacked by a black unicorn. (laughs) And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it.
Sarah, you know, I realized after the show there were also people there from Shaw's of Sunset, another Bravo show, but I don't watch that, so I didn't get excited. I don't know what that is. Uh, I'll explain it later. (laughs) 